This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Zizi Satius, who is the inaugural interim chair of the Department of Informatics and Health Data Sciences at the University of Miami Miller Med School of Medicine. And he also serves as the director of the Media and Innovation Lab at Miller School of Medicine. Dr. Satius, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Absolutely, my pleasure. I'm really excited to have you on because I know there's so many things happening in healthcare in a lot of different ways that data and analytics and information really is boosting the way that care is provided and delivered and outcomes for patients. So I'm excited for our conversation, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, so I would consider myself a bit of a unicorn um, and I don't say that with bluster or being bombastic, but if you were to follow my um, academic trajectory, um, I have a background in philosophy, I have a background in psychology, um, as well as healthcare, um, medicine, obviously, as well as population health, technology, engineering, and informatics. So, you know, I come you know, to my positions with someone who is an eclectic thinker and an eclectic visionary and leader. And so that's kind of how, you know, I I come about my work and, you know, just for a little bit of humanizing touch, um, you know, I, I came from, you know, um, a wonderful country of Jamaica, which is a you know, low to middle income country, but I grew up in a poor working class community and I learned a lot, you know, going through school and being around the house, the have nots and the have mores. And those experiences have shaped my perspective as to how we need to do better in healthcare and how can we restore, I think, the most sacrosanct covenant that we have with patients and the public. Um, which is to ensure that healthcare works for all. And so with the very eclectic background, because I think you need to have an eclectic approach, a multifaceted approach to tackle our most vexing healthcare issues, coupled with my passion and desire and vision to make sure that healthcare works for all, I think that's what you know, um, really cements the type of person I am and how I lead and the type of work that I currently do. Absolutely. Wow, that's fascinating. It sounds like you have had such a, an amazing experience in the past as your career journey to where you're at today. And I can definitely tell the passion that you have for healthcare in um, really making sure that communities have the need, what they need in order to be healthy and, and access to that kind of care. I'm wondering, you know, it's clear what it inspires you every day, but why did you choose healthcare out of any of the other uh, fields that you could have um, jumped into in order to really help people and bring them up and, and um, put yourself in a position to always uh, be working with the communities who need it most? I think like every ambitious child while growing up, I think you go through a period of a bit of inflated sense of self or a bit of narcissism where everyone wants to be president or where I'm from, it's prime minister. And then I wanted to be prime minister and then I realized that you had to get votes and that not everyone was going to like you. And so 
I realized that in politics, if you have an approval rating of 50% and more, it means you're doing good and you're doing well. And that was not for me. But putting aside that, um, just to bring some levity to our conversation, I realized that I could have a greater impact um, by ensuring that you know, I can tackle some of the areas where I feel it levels all human beings. And it's through education and healthcare. And so I felt that in order for me to ensure that we no longer have a world with the haves and the have-nots and the have-mores, and provide more leveling playing fields, so to speak, and leveling opportunities that I needed to ensure that I did my work through education, building the next generation of scientists as well as clinicians, but also at the same time, recognizing that healthcare is one of the greatest precious gifts that all human beings have. So while you may not have finances, you may not have a home, you may not have any of these things, but in many ways you have your body and it is your job to help to maintain and preserve that health and wellness. And if I can be a part of that, absolutely. So that was part of the reason why. But I also, um, I'm very inquisitive. I like to ask a lot of questions. Um, and in many ways, I, I think it's important that we as clinicians, as providers, as public health servants, that we commit ourselves to a life of service. And I felt that science and healthcare was my opportunity to do all of those things. Wow, that's an amazing story and definitely a lot of need for that and, and a huge opportunity in healthcare. So I'm glad that you know, you're in the space and in the position you're in to really make a change. Now, what opportunities as well as headwinds do you have your eye on right now? What's really front of mind for you? Yeah, sure. So you know, I'll just say a little bit about kind of who we are in, at the University of Miami, my new role leading this great department in informatics and health data science, as well as the media and innovation lab. We're doing so by reimagining healthcare and academic medicine across five areas. And I think in many ways, these are the headwinds that we are capitalizing on. It's oftentimes said that the, the, the mark of an innovator is not the innovator who is just creative or who leads, but someone who can anticipate or look around the corner, or to use a sports term, to be where the puck is going to be. And so for us, what we're doing is that we truly believe in order for us to create this paradigmatic shift in healthcare and in medicine and in, to spur digital transformation, we have to do it across research, education, clinical care, venture and service and outreach. And so those are the five verticals on which we stand. And that's why we're called media and innovation lab, because in order for us to make these wholesale paradigm shifts, we have to do it across those five media through those channels. And we're very bullish about some things, and I'll just kind of highlight some of those. In terms of education, creating the next generational type of medical education and scientific education, not just teaching, science, um, the scientific method or the engineering method, which some of them hardly are taught, but what we call the innovation approach. And we're actually building that through coursework. And the goal is to create the next generation of what we call clinician innovators and scientist innovators 
That's what millennials and Gen Z have to do. And that's what we need to do. We in America and globally as well, because I'm not trying to push a nationalistic agenda either, but we need to create more innovators because it's necessary to tackle some issues that I oftentimes say we want to be able to tackle tomorrow's issues today. Okay, and that's the issue. So in terms of research, here are some areas that we're focused on. We want to ensure that we create the best robust data, and we call those data as rhizomatic, multiple entry points, multi, you know, non-hierarchical, really capturing the human being in totality, but not just doing it through survey data, but through sensor data. So this you're talking biology, genetics, clinical, behavioral, lifestyle, environmental, and social determinants of health. How do you put all of those together? We want to be leaders in digital biomarkers as well as decentralized clinical trials. In terms of our clinical care vertical, there's three areas that we're extremely bullish about. One is ensuring that we, we, we push remote health monitoring um, and we've created our own remote health monitoring solution called the Millbox, where it's not just a bespoke tailored approach where we're not just tackling diabetes, but it's a wholesale remote health monitoring solution, even capturing environmental factors as well through sensors in someone's home. That is just groundbreaking. And then we want to also be leaders, you know, in, in ensuring that we can create health at home. Um, we realize and recognize that COVID, that people want to age in place. And so how do we provide digital infrastructures and supports that will facilitate that? And third, we want to be one of the first healthcare systems that offers digital therapeutics as a legitimate option in conjunction or additively or as a primary source to traditional forms of interventions. And so that's kind of where we are in terms of venture. We want to spin things out and spin things in, providing the health tech care ecosystem a wonderful academic partner that can help people to transform their ideas into products and to help them to get it through the necessary regulatory systems, as well as to help them to commercialize that. That's in our DNA. And we believe we can support people in that and ensuring that we can find ways in which these solutions can be fully incorporated into healthcare systems and ensuring that we have a very robust dissemination. And then the last vertical is service and outreach. It's the tipping point of the sphere that we really want to ensure that whatever we're, do, we're doing is grounded and ensuring that it has to be human-centered, patient-centered. And so what does that mean? Providing the nice wraparound support so that our patients can be better users and consumers of technology and digital solutions. And we've done many of those programs. So that's what we're doing, right? And those are the headwinds. And that's where we see healthcare going. And we are very, you know, um, serious about doing it and I've already started with some key collaborations um, in doing this. And this one just make the University of Miami a regional leader just for South Florida, but we want to be national, hemispheric, and global leaders. Miami is a gateway of America's, and we're already in conversations ensuring that whatever we build in Miami and apply in Peru, in Colombia, 
in Trinidad, in Canada, and here in the state, as well as going east. And that's what we're building here at the University of Miami. That's really amazing to hear and, you know, just touches on so many different aspects of what you're working at on the ground level and then what your plans are for growth and development in the future. And I know you mentioned some strategic partnerships. Could you talk through a little bit about, you know, what some of those partnerships bring to the table and how you're adding value to the overall health system, especially building a program like this? I know it can be certainly a challenge to think about innovation, you know, when a lot of healthcare organizations are uh, you know, struggling with some of the other environmental factors, whether it's connecting with care at home or some of the financial challenges that a lot of organizations are having today. So when you think through, you know, why continue to invest in this type of innovation and growth and growing the next generation of scientists, innovators is important. How do you make that all work, if that makes sense, um, when you're thinking about uh, moving forward? No, that's an excellent question. And so uh, the only thing that I'm going to add to your question is just a point of clarification, because I know you use the term partnerships, but in our space, partnerships connote something more legal. And so I have to be careful to not say that these are, you know, in the strict form partnerships, these are collaborations. And so we're doing work, you know, with Amazon now in terms of work and particularly Amazon Web Services. You know, I was um, selected an Amazon Educator Champion last year, one of 10 individuals to do so. And, you know, one of the things that when I accepted the award, I said, well, I hope this is not a lifetime achievement award because I plan on working with you all. And they said, no, it's not a lifetime achievement award. So we're doing work with, you know, folks like Amazon. And they've been very, very, you know, committed to some of the work that we're doing, particularly Amazon Web Services. I think we other partnerships in terms of large scale, as well as, you know, working with some digital therapeutic companies as well, um, you know, in terms of the type of work and projects that we're doing. You know, for example, a company called Behavior, um, we're doing some excellent work with them to tackle, you know, disparities in maternal mental health experienced by black and brown moms. And we're providing um, digital mental health care and wraparound support through virtual reality. We're, we're, we're doing that. We're also doing some great work in the research arena around digital biomarkers, working with a great small company, but they're very potent called Altoida, where they have a 10-minute um, cognitive assessment tool that can assess cognition um, in 10 minutes, um, and it can determine cognitive impairment, and it can you know, determine the, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's disease, and we can predict those eight to 10 years before onset. And we have, through fantastic work, creating a digital biomarker from 800 different digital biomarkers, looking at voice looking at eye pupillometry, looking at hand tremors, looking at gait, and we put all of those together. We have also, you know, put together a cognitive resilience digital biomarker, meaning individuals who may have Alzheimer's disease pathology through imaging and blood work, but yet don't show signs of cognitive decline. We can pick up on that, and these are factors that have proven scientifically to be more you know, potent and more predictive of outcomes. And I think that's what we're doing. 
we are decentralizing and democratizing health care. So when people hear me talk about health equity, they oftentimes think that there is a color or agenda or a demographic associated with that, and it's not that. When we say equity, we don't have a political agenda. Our agenda is one that has to do with goodwill. And so there's no politics there. We want to ensure. Technology as a means to accelerate innovation, as a means to accelerate diagnostic and assessment and treatment. And we believe fundamentally that counter to how Silicon Valley and traditional technology operates, where they try to innovate, bearing in mind the has and the have-mores, we fundamentally believe that if we innovate, focusing on the have-nots, the people who need these technologies most, that we believe that these are the folks that will be early adapters and we will ensure that the impact of technologies are far-reaching. And so that's kind of what separates us and that's what makes us unique and different, that we believe that you need to fundamentally innovate with the common denominator in mind, right? As opposed to a select few. Oh, that's amazing. And definitely it makes a lot of sense in terms of the strategy of where to start and how to really build a program that you can be proud of and is so impactful for the organization and beyond. Now, before we wrap up here, I know we've talked a lot about growth and development and, and really how you're investing in this program. Um, and ideally at some point it goes national and it has an impact yeah. far beyond Miami. Um, when you think of these big uh, big goals in mind, how do you go about building the right team and making sure your resources are together and putting together, you know, the, um, I guess, actually making that a reality versus having that vision and then making it a reality. Could you talk through that just for a minute before we wrap up our conversation? Sure. I think the, the beauty of how we're setting this up is that we believe that in all the principles of project management as well as agile project management and something that, you know, the folks at Amazon have rubbed off on us is this backward innovation. And so we we're doing all of those from an administrative standpoint. But then I think what makes us, you know, even more unique is that we're attracting talented folks who are, are what I would consider um, either a pointer, a, a, a thinker, a dreamer, or a doer, or all of the above. And so by pointers, people who point out and say that's an issue. And I think a lot of our society has, a, you know, in our society we have a lot of those individuals. And I'm not saying there is nothing, you know, there's anything wrong with those individuals. But we need other folks who will do, who will solve when you point out the issues. But we need dreamers. We need thinkers, right? And, and so these are the types of people, the DNA and the profile of individuals that we're recruiting. And we've been great. You know, Miami is becoming more and more a tech hub. And what we're doing at the University of Miami is to ensure that we are the preeminent academic institution that is leading along with other folks, and I'm not saying we're the only ones here. There's some fantastic you know, schools here in South Florida doing great work, but we believe that every tech ecosystem 
needs that linchpin, that preeminent academic institution to be responsible for turning out talent and intellect and ideas and to create this buzzing kind of, you know, drumbeat of innovation and technology and companies. And we have to do that. And we're going to do that uh, as well. And then what we also focus on is that we want to ensure that our vision is shared within our institution, but also with the ecosystem. So we do a lot of community-based participatory type of research. So any vision that you've heard, it's not a blind sky vision. It's a vision that has been endorsed by talking to you know folks from the mayor's office in, in, in Miami. It's talking to our community steering committee. It's talking to experts in science and industry. They all love the vision, but what they don't have is a community of people, and we're you know, facilitating that. And so that's what we're doing. And something I said to our recruit, so I'm recruiting someone now, and you know, she was asking me kind of what my vision was, and I said, I believe in a 70-30 rule. And she was like, what was that? What we do you know, here at the University of Miami, particularly in my group, is that we, give, we put people into positions and we give them responsibilities where 70% of the time, it is really in sync with who they are, their talents and skill sets. They could do these tasks with their eyes closed. Of course, there are gonna be challenges where they have to troubleshoot because we want people to feel really empowered. We want these are areas where they can lead. But then at the same time, we give people stretch responsibilities. These are opportunities of growth. And that's 30%. We challenge them. We want them to really kind of upscale. And we provide the necessary scaffolding. So in our group, we have what we call scaffolding mentorship. Everyone is a mentor and everyone is being mentored by someone else, right? And that's where we feel that we'll be able to have you know, a very robust succession plan where the vision doesn't just come from me but the vision is shared and the vision becomes infectious. And so everyone becomes a leader who comes in our group. And so what I go out and tell them, and they, they laugh at times, but they get it, that your job is wherever you go to make a little bit of heaven on earth, whether with the patients, whether it be in negotiations, right? Um, whether it be in conversations like this podcast, you want to ensure that you leave a little bit of heaven behind you, wherever you go. And so coupled with the project management, ensuring that we're good administratively and we're building and the like, ensuring that we have this great mentorship process and this scaffold mentorship and the 70-30 rule. But in many ways, we take care of people as whole people. And we, you know, we, we, we tap into their best graces and we ensure that we need to leave a little bit of heaven on earth because that is what healthcare is about. It's service. It's not about me. It's not about an ego. It's not about a personality. It's about service. That's amazing. Dr. Satius, I love that. Um, and what a great note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And you have definitely left a little bit of heaven along uh, for our listeners and myself as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Keep up the great work.